And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hutnell. This is the Ken Hutnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Can't wait to the Old West in the most haunted city in the country. Well, this is the 3rd of January in the new year of 2023. And a lot of things taking place that um, nobody anticipated. Had a football player in one of the major games uh, collapse on the field. He may die. Nobody seems to have a complete handle on what happened. The uh, wokeness is running rampant. We've got uh, all kinds of things that we never would have dreamed of six months ago. Well, in looking at January 3rd, in uh, the year 250, Emperor Decius ordered everybody in the Roman Empire except chose the Jewish uh, religion to make sacrifices to the Roman gods. Even then, we had wars over religion. 1521, Pope Leo X excommunicated Martin Luther in the Papal Bull Deset Romanum Pontificum. Again, an argument over religion. The uh, 1749, the first issue of Berlingsk, Denmark's oldest continually operating newspaper, is published. 1777, American General George Washington defeated British General Lord Cornwallis at the Battle of Princeton. 1815, Austria. The UK and France formed a secret defensive alliance against Prussia and Russia. Nothing has changed. We keep repeating the same things over and over and over. The uh, 1861, and this is something I had heard of before, American Civil War in Delaware voted not to secede from the U.S. Apparently, Delaware considered going with the Confederacy. 1870, construction work began on the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. A lot of people tried to sell that. The... uh, In 1911, 7.7 earthquake destroyed the city of Almaty in Russian Turkestan. The uh, 1911 also saw a gun battle in the east end of London. Left two people dead. Sparked a political role of the involvement of then Home Secretary Winston Churchill. The, uh, let's see what else, 1944. U.S. flying ace Major Greg Pappy Boyington is shot down in his F-4U Corsair by Captain Masahiro Kowato flying a Mitsubishi A6M0. 1946, Canadian-American jockey George Wolfe died in a freak accident during a horse race. The annual George Wolfe Memorial Jockey Award is awarded to honor him. I mean, it's it's the same old thing, time and time again. I mean, 1977, Apple Computers Incorporated 
went on to dominate the computer industry to a certain extent. Well, we've been talking about uh, some of the many things I've written about. When everything is uh, up on uh, Amazon, I'll have somewhere around 100 books. And the, uh, the colder the weather gets, and it's flat cold here, the, um, the more you'll see me in front of the computer. I've taken uh, a bit of a uh, hiatus to try to get everything um, organized, but uh, as one person once said, got all my stuff together and it's too heavy to lift. I know the feeling. Well, I did a book called Vampires, Werewolves, and Things That Go Bump in the Night. And uh, I wrote about monsters that haunt our dreams. Those incredible creatures that caused the bravest among us to look fearfully over our shoulders. There is an allegedly immortal creature who lurks in the dark and craves our blood called a vampire. Now, according to science, vampires are merely mythical beings who subsist by feeding on the life essence, generally in the form of blood, of uh, living creatures. In folklore, vampires often return from the grave to visit loved ones and cause mischief or death in the neighborhoods they inhabited when they were alive. The newly undead, or burial shrouds, were often described as bloated and having a ruddy or dark uh, countenance, markedly different from today's gaunt, pale vampire that dates from about the, the early 1800s. And although the vampire like entities that have been recorded in most cultures from time immemorial, um, really wasn't popularized until the early 18th century. That was after an influx of vampire superstition into Western Europe from areas where vampire legends were frequent, such as the Balkans and Eastern Europe. Although local variants were, were known by different names, such as the Trichalacus in Greece and Strugoi in Romania, now, the, the increased level of vampire superstition in Europe led to what could only be called mass hysteria by scientists, of course. And in some cases, resulted in corpses actually being staked and people being accused of vampirism. In modern times, though, the vampires generally held to be a fictitious entity. Although belief in similar vampiric creatures, such as the chubacabra, still persist in some cultures. There's people around here that swear they've seen a chupacabra. Uh, early folkloric belief in vampires has been ascribed to the ignorance of the body's process of decomposition after death and how people in pre-industrial societies tried to rationalize this, creating the figure of the vampire to explain the mysteries of death. Porphyria was also linked. Uh, now that's a group of rare inherited or acquired disorders of certain enzymes that normally one more time participate in the production of porphyrins and any manifest with either neurological complications or skin problems or occasionally both. Now, as I say, porphyria was linked to the legends of vampirism in 1985. We got much media exposure, but since been largely discredited. 
Most of us grew up watching Bela Lugosi playing Count Dracula in the late movies. Uh, the, um, the charismatic and sophisticated vampire of modern fiction was born in 1819 with the publication of The, the Vampire by John Polidori. The story is highly successful and arguably the most influential vampire work of the early 19th century. However, it was Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula, that's remembered as the quintessential vampire novel and provided the basis for the modern vampire legend. The success of this particular book spawned a distinctive vampire genre, still popular in the 21st century with books and films and television shows. Vampires become a dominant figure in the horror genre. Uh, so now that we've looked at what science says about the vampire. Uh, I'm gonna been for 30 years host of a nightly radio show that uh, discusses the paranormal. And I've had occasion to interview a young lady who claims to be of gypsy descent. She uh, related that several decades ago it was her family who lived in Romania at the time crossed land belonging to a Romanian noble family who claimed to be Strigoi during the time they're on the Strigori land, they had to uh, turn over a young female. In this case, it was her aunt to the landowner who would uh, feed on the guests during the period the family was on the noble's land. According to the young lady I interviewed, there was never any harm done to the captive who reported she was very well treated while in captivity. Um, however, every evening they did uh, take her blood and make their meal out of it. And even up into her 70s and 80s, according to my guest, her uh, aunt looked much, much younger than her actual age. Now, the question becomes, are vampires real or merely folklore? Or maybe there's something in between. That's for the listener to decide. So the first question is, what actually is a vampire? It seems that science and those who live in the Eastern European areas that are the supposed home of the vampires have a different opinion about exactly what these creatures are and how long they fed off humanity. The Oxford English Dictionary dates the first appearance of the word vampire in English from 1734 in a travelogue titled Travels of Three English Gentlemen. It was published in the Harley and uh, Miscellany in 1745. However, it should be noted that the original article didn't actually use the spelling vampire, but used vampire, V-A-M-P-Y-R-E. And even earlier, English language references to the word vampire can be found in the form of V-A-M-P-Y-R-E. One example is found in the telling the famous case of Arnold Pale and uh, Peter Palajowicz in Serbia, where the London uh, Journal of March 11, 1732, describes vampires in Hungary. Actually, that was northern Serbia under direct Austrian rule, as sucking the blood of the living. The vampires have already been discussed in French and German literature. After Austria gained control of northern Serbia and Oltenia with the Treaty of Passanowicz, 
1718, officials noted the local practice of exhuming bodies and killing vampires uh, as something that routinely occurred. And these reports, prepared between 1725 and 1732, got widespread publicity. The English term was derived, possibly via French vampire, from the German vampire, V-A-M-P-I-R, in turn derived in which uh, the early 18th century from the Serbian V-A-M-P-I-R. When Arnold Paoli, a purported vampire in Serbia, was described during the time when northern Serbia was part of the Austrian Empire. The Serbian form had parallels in virtually all Slavic languages, Bulgarianism, excuse me, Bulgarian and Macedonian, Bosnian, uh, Croatian, Czech and Slavic, Polish, and perhaps East Slavic influenced U-P-I-O-R. Though they're spelled much differently in the various languages, they do get pronounced pretty much the same way. Note that many of these languages have also borrowed forms such as V-A-M-P-I-R or W-A-M-P-I-R subsequently from the West. And these are distinct from the original local words for the creatures. Exact entomology is not really clear among the proposed uh, proto-Slavic forms or uh, O-P-Y-R-I and O-P-I-R-I. Nevertheless, the widespread theory is that the Slavic languages have borrowed the word from a Turkic term for which? Tatar, U-B-Y-R. Uh, an early use of the old Russian word is in the uh, in a pagan treatise, uh, Word of St. Gregory, uh, dated variously to the 11th, uh, 12th, or 13th centuries, where pagan worship of U-P-Y-R-I is reported. That was another variation of vampire. So, clearly, there was enough evidence to convince a number of early reporters that vampires actually existed. In fact, the notion of vampirism has existed for millennia. Numerous cultures, such as the Mesopotamians and the Hebrews, ancient Greeks and Romans, had tales of demons and spirits that lusted after human blood and which are considered precursors to modern vampires. However, despite the, the occurrence of vampire-like creatures in these early civilizations, the folklore for the entity we know today as the vampire originates almost exclusively from early 18th century southwestern Europe, when verbal traditions of many ethnic groups of the region were recorded and published. In most cases, vampires are considered to be uh, revenants of evil beings, suicide victims, or witches, but they can also be created by a malevolent spirit possessing a corpse or by a human being bitten by somebody who's already a vampire. Belief in such legends became so pervasive that in some areas it caused mass hysteria and even public executions of people who are believed to be vampires. You know, it's difficult to make a simple definitive description of a vampire based on folklore. Though there are several elements uh, common to many of the uh, European legends, in spite of their main appearances as exemplified by Lugosi's uh, Count Dracula, and folklore vampires are usually reported as bloated in appearance with ruddy, purplish, or dark in color uh, continents. 
These characteristics are often attributed to the recent drinking of blood. Indeed, when intrepid vampire hunters would dig up an alleged blood drinker, blood was often seen seeping from the mouth and nose. When one was seen in its shroud or coffin and its left eye was often open, it would be clad in the linen shroud it was buried in, and its teeth and hair and nails may have grown somewhat, though in general fangs were not a feature of the early vampires. The factors that led to the creation of a vampire were many and varied in original folklore. Many times, especially in the Russian Orthodox Church, it was seen as a punishment from God for some transgression. In Slavic and Chinese traditions, any corpse that was jumped over by an animal, particularly a dog or a cat, was feared to become one of the undead. body with a wound that hadn't been treated with boiling water was also at risk. In Russian folklore, vampires are said to have once been witches or people who had rebelled against the Russian Orthodox Church while they were alive. So as you can see, religion played a major role in uh, the creation of the evil undead. Socially, cultural practices often uh, arose that were um, intended to prevent a recently deceased loved one from turning into an undead revenant. Bearing a corpse upside down was a widespread belief as was placing uh, earthly objects such as cysts or sickles near the grave and uh, to satisfy any demon entering the body or to appease the, the dead so it wouldn't want to arise from its coffin. This method resembles the ancient Greek practice of placing an obelisk in the corpse's mouth to pay the toll to cross the river Styx. Now, the obelisk was a silver coin or unit of weight equal to one-sixth of a drachma, formerly used in ancient Greece. And many, I've heard many references in even recent TV shows about having to pay the ferryman to cross the river Styx. It's been argued that instead the coin was intended to ward off any evil spirits mentoring the body, and this may have influenced later vampire folklore. Tradition persisted in modern Greek folklore, such as about the Vrikulakos, in which a uh, wax cross and piece of pottery with the inscription, Jesus Christ conquers, were placed on the corpse to prevent the body from becoming a vampire. Other methods of trying to stop the depredations of a vampire commonly practiced in Europe included severing the tendons at the knees of the recently dead or placing poppy seeds, millet, or sand on the ground around the gravesite of a presumed vampire. This was intended to keep the vampire occupied all night by counting the fallen grains, indicating a, an association of vampirism with uh, arithmomania. It's interesting how all these various uh, ideas grew up and continued down through the ages. You know, a number of stories from, Chinese, from the Chinese state that if a vampire-like being came across a sack of rice, it would have a to count every single grain. And this is a theme encountered in myths from the Indian subcontinent as well as in South America, tales of uh, witches and other sorts of evil or mischievous beings or spirits. In Albanian folklore, there's Dampir, the son of the uh, Carnaxle or the Lugat. If the Carcaxel sleeps with his wife and she's impregnated with a child, the offspring is called a Dampir and has unique ability to discern the existence of a 
Albanian vampire. And from this arrives the expression, the damper knows the Lugat. Now, the Lugat can't be seen. He can only be killed by the Dampir, who himself is usually the son of a Lugat. In different regions, animals can be revenants as Lugats, living people, um, attacking living people during their sleep. Dampirage is also an Albanian surname. How'd you like to have that name? You know, many elaborate rituals were used to identify a vampire. One method of finding a vampire's grave involves sending a virgin boy through a graveyard or church grounds on a, a virgin stallion. The horse would supposedly balk at uh, the grave in question. And at that point in time, the, uh, the witnesses would dig up the grave and stake the body that was in it. Generally, a black horse was required, although in Albania it had to be white. Holes appearing in the earth over a grave were also taken as fine that uh, the grave was occupied by a vampire. Now, corpses uh, thought to be vampires were generally described as having a healthier appearance than expected, plump, and showing little or no signs of decomposition. In some cases, when suspected graves were open, villagers even described the corpse as having fresh blood from a victim all over its face. And evidence that a vampire was active in a given locality include the, the death of cattle, sheep, relatives, or neighbors. Folkloric vampires could also make their presence felt by engaging in minor poltergeist-like activities such as hurling stones on roofs or moving household objects and pressing down on people as they slept. You know, it's uh, around these ideas grew up a large body of material on how to actually deal with a vampire. Now, whether or not the vampire is a real threat to humans, a large body of literature appeared that discussed how to defend against attacks of these deadly creatures. And some of the methods spoke of religious ceremonies or religious relics about other various charms that would protect the user from the attack of the undead. Nepotropics, items able to ward off revenants, are common in a lot of vampire folklore. Garlic is a common example of such protection. It's a branch of wild rose and hawthorn plant that, that is said to harm vampires. In Europe, it's said that sprinkling mustard seeds on the roof of a house would keep vampires away. Uh, maybe like humans, some vampires don't like mustard. These uh, epotropaics include uh, sacred items, for example, a, a crucifix, a rosary, even a little vial of holy water. And vampires are said to be able to walk over consecrated ground, such as out of churches or temples, or even cross running water. Although not traditionally regarded as a epotropaic, mirrors have been used to ward off vampires when placed facing outwards uh, on a door. In some cultures, vampires don't have a reflection, sometimes don't cast a shadow, maybe as a manifestation of the vampire's lack of a soul. You know, this attribute, though not universal, um, was used by Bram Stoker in Dracula and has remained popular with subsequent authors and filmmakers. Though the Greek uh, vampire was capable of having both a reflection and a shadow. Now, some traditions also hold that a vampire can enter a house unless invited by the owner, although after the first invitation they can come and go as they please. Folkloric vampires are believed to be more active at night, though they're not generally considered vulnerable in the sunlight. 
Um, you know, for every enemy, there has to be a way to destroy it. The methods of destroying suspected vampires varied with, depending on the culture, with uh, staking the most commonly cited method, particularly in southern Slavic cultures. Ash was the preferred wood in <clears throat> Prussia and the Baltic states, or Hawthorne in Serbia, with a record of oak and Silesia. Potential vampires were most often staked through the heart, although the mouth was targeted in Russia and northern Germany and the stomach in uh, northeastern Serbia. Piercing the skin of the chest was a way of deflating the bloated vampire, similar to the act of burying uh, sharp objects such as sickles in with the corpse so that they, uh, they penetrate the skin if the body bloats sufficiently while transforming into a revenant. Decapitation was the preferred method in Germany and western Slavic areas with the head buried between the feet behind the buttocks or away from the body. This act was seen as a way of hastening the departure of the soul, which in some cultures was said to linger in the corpse. The vampire's head and body or clothes could also be spiked and pinned to the earth to prevent rising. Uh, Romani, the, the gypsies, drove steel or iron needles into a corpse's heart and put bits of steel in the mouth over the eyes, ears, and between the fingers at the time of burial. They also placed hawthorn on the corpses, in the corpse's sock or drove a hawthorn stake through the legs. And it's very clear in ancient times it was felt better to keep the vampire from rising than to try and uh, combat the vampire once it had risen to walk the earth once again. Vampire still in its confidence was considered to be more vulnerable than one that was walking in all its glory. 16th century burial near Venice, a brick forced into the mouth of a female corpse has been interpreted as a vampire slaying ritual by the archaeologist who discovered it in 2006. Further methods included pouring boiling water over the grave or complete incineration of the body. In the Balkans, a vampire could also be killed by being shot or drowned by repeating the funeral service by sprinkling holy water on the body or by exorcism. In Romania, garlic could be placed in the mouth, and as recently as the 19th century, the precautional shooting a bullet through the coffin was taken. For resistant cases, the body was dismembered and the pieces burned, mixed with water, and administered to uh, family members who were afflicted by vampires as a possible cure. In Saxon regions of Germany, a, tent, a lemon was placed in the mouth of the suspected vampires. It's also worth mentioning that in Bulgaria, over a hundred skeletons with metal objects such as plow bits embedded in the torso have been discovered, which would seem to indicate that maybe there was a tremendous fear of vampires even there. You know, the um, tales of supernatural beings consuming the blood of the flesh or the flesh of the living have been found in nearly every culture around the world for many centuries. Today we'd associate these entities with vampires, but in ancient times the term vampire really didn't exist. As such, blood drinking and similar activities are attributed to demons or spirits who would eat the flesh and drink the blood. Even the devil was considered uh, synonymous with the vampire. Almost every nation has associated uh, blood drinking with some kind of revenant or demon in some cases, even a deity. In India, for example, tales of Vatalas, ghoul-like beings that inhabit corpses, have been compiled in the Vital Pasisi, a good prominent story in the uh, Indian literature, tales of uh, King uh, Vikramaditra and his uh, nightly quest to capture an elusive uh, 
vampire. Pisako, the returned spirits of evildoers are those who died insane also bear vampiric uh, attributes. The Persians were one of the first civilizations to publicize tales of blood drinking and demons, and creatures attempting to drink blood from men were depicted on excavated pottery shards. Ancient Babylonian Assyria had tales of the mythical Lilithu, synonymous with and giving rise to Lilith and her daughters at the Lilu from uh, Hebrew demonology. Lilithu was considered a demon and was often depicted as subsisting on the blood of babies. Estries, female shape-changing, blood-drinking demons, were said to roam the night. Uh, my system seems to have a mind of its own. Uh, and we were talking about... The um, and of course, <clears throat> the estries were interesting cre uh, creatures. As I said, they're female shapeshifters. They drink blood. They're demons, and they're said to roam the night, uh, <clears throat> seeking victims. According to the Sefer Hasidim, estries were. Creatures created in the twilight hours before God rested at the end of the seven-day period in which he was said to have created the world. And an injured estri could be healed by eating bread and salt given her by her attacker. Ancient Greek Roman mythology described the <clears throat> impuse, the lamia, and the striges. Over time, the first two terms became general words to describe witches and demons. Impusa was the daughter of the goddess Hecate. It was described as demonic. Bronze-footed creature. Feasted on blood by transforming into a young woman and seducing men as they slept before drinking their blood. The Lamia preyed on young children in their beds at night, sucking their blood as did the Galudis and the, the Gelo. Like the Lamia, the strangers feasted on children, but also preyed on young men. Described as having the bodies of crows or birds in general, or later incorporated into Roman mythology as Strix, kind of nocturnal bird that fed on human flesh and blood. So as you see, there's a lot of creatures of the night that various uh, cultures talked about. Now, while stories of the undead and creatures that subsisted on the blood of man date from the earliest periods of history, many of the myths surrounding vampires originated during the medieval period. 12th century English historian and chroniclers Walter Mapp and William of Newburgh recorded accounts of revenants, though uh, records in English legends of vampiric beings after this are kind of scarce. The old Norse Draugr is another medieval example of an undead creature with similarities to vampires. You know, vampires, as we think of them, or vampires proper, as they're referred to, originated in folklore widely reported from Eastern Europe in the late 17th and 18th centuries. Tales formed the basis for the vampire legend that later entered Germany and England, where they were subsequently embellished and popularized. One of the earliest recordings of vampire activity came from the region of Istria in modern Croatia in 1672. 
Local reports cited a local vampire, Jerry Grando, of the village Kring near Tinjin, as the cause of panic among the villagers. Former peasant, uh, Jerry died in 1656. But the local villagers claimed he returned from the dead and began drinking blood from the people and sexually harassing his widow. Village leader ordered a stake to be driven through his heart, but when the method failed to kill him, he was subsequently beheaded with somewhat better results, according to all reports. And that was the first case in history that a real person had been described as a vampire, or at least in recorded history. I'm sure there was some before then. Now, during the 18th century, there was a frenzy of vampire sightings in Eastern Europe. Frequent stakings and grave diggings to identify and kill the potential revenants. Even government officials engaged in hunting and staking of vampires. That would be an interesting uh, government agency in the U.S. government, vampire hunters. Despite being called the Age of Enlightenment, during which most folkloric legends were quelled, the belief in vampires increased dramatically resulting in a mass hysteria throughout most of Europe. Panic began with an outbreak of alleged vampire attacks in East Prussia in 1721 and in the Habsburg monarchy from 1725 to 1734, and then it spread to other localities. Two famous vampire cases, the first to be officially recorded, involved the corpse of Peter Plagojowicz and Arnold Piola from Serbia. Plagojowicz was reported to have died at the age of 62, but allegedly returned after his death asking the son for food. When the son refused the, the request, he was found dead the next day. Plagojowicz supposedly returned and attacked some neighbors who died from loss of blood. In the second case, Paoli, an ex-soldier turned farmer who allegedly was attacked by a vampire years before, died while working in the hayfield. After his death, people began to die in the surrounding area, and it was widely believed that Paoli had returned to prey on his neighbors. Then there's another famous Serbian legend involving vampires that concentrates around a, Ser a certain uh, Sava Savanovic living in a watermill and killing and drinking blood from millers. The character is later used in a story written by a Serbian writer, Milovan Glisic, and in the Yugoslav 1973 horror film, Leptarika inspired, uh, inspired by the story. Two incidents were well documented. Government officials exam uh, examined the bodies, wrote case reports, and published books throughout Europe. The hysteria, commonly referred to as the 18th century vampire controversy, raged for a generation. The problem, of course, was exacerbated by rural epidemics of so called uh, vampire attacks, undoubtedly caused by the higher amount of superstition that was present in village communities, with locals digging up bodies and in some cases staking them. Although many scholars reported during this period that vampires didn't exist, and of course no self-respecting scientist would believe that they did, and attributed reports to premature burial or rabies, superstitious uh, belief increased. Tom Augustin Comet, the real respected French theologian and scholar, put together a comprehensive treatise in 1746 which was somewhat ambiguous concerning the existence of vampires. He amassed reports of vampire incidents. Numerous readers including both a critical Voltaire and supportive demonologist interpreted the treatise as claiming that vampires did exist. 
And in his philosophical dictionary, Voltaire wrote, uh, these vampires were corpses who went out of their graves at night to suck the blood of the living, either at their throats or stomachs, after which they returned to the cemeteries. The person that was attacked, Wayne, grew pale and fell into consumption, while the sucking corpses grew fat, got rosy, and enjoyed an excellent appetite. It was uh, in Poland, Hungary, Silesia, Moravia, Austria, and Lorraine that the dead made this good cheer. So saith Voltaire. Controversy only ceased when Empress Maria Theresa of Austria sent her personal physician, Gerard von Sweeten, to investigate the claims of vampiric entities. He concluded vampires didn't exist, and the Empress passed laws prohibiting the opening of graves and desecration of bodies, sounding the end of the, the vampire epidemic. But despite this official condemnation, so to speak, the vampire lived on in artistic works, local superstition, and many said in reality. Now, the problem with the vampire can be very simply stated. Any rational person will agree that the notion that vampires actually exist has to be based on pure superstition. Surely there's some more rational, simpler, and sensible explanation than the dead getting out of their graves. The problem is that there are a number of early accounts written with such an air of authority that it's difficult to dismiss them as pure fantasy. One prime example is an 18th century report from an un, uh, about an undead Serbian that was signed by no less than five Austrian officers, three of whom were doctors. And all five had many years of experience and weren't easily frightened and misled. According to the report, after being reported in the village of Medvegia near Belgrade that so-called vampires had killed some people by sucking their blood, I was by high decree of a local honorable supreme command sent there to investigate the murder matter thoroughly. And what I learned was as follows. About five years ago, a local Hadouk called Arnold Paoli broke his neck in a fall from a hay wagon. Twenty or thirty days after his death, some people complained they were being bothered by this same Arnold Paoli. And in fact, four people were killed by him. More the end this evil, they dug up Arnold, 40 days after his death, and on the order of their Adnak, a bureaucrat, who had been present at such events before, and they found he was quite complete and undecayed, and that fresh blood had flowed from his eyes, nose, mouth, and ears, and that the, the shirt, the covering, and the coffin were completely bloody. But the old nails on his hands and feet, along with the skin, had fallen off, and new ones had grown. And since they saw from this that he was a true vampire, they drove a stake through his heart according to custom, where he gave an audible groan and bled copiously. And thereupon they burned the body to ashes the same day and threw these into the graves. And these same people all say that all those who've been tormented and killed by vampires must themselves become vampires. It's signed by L.S. Johannes Flugener, Regimental Medical Officer of the Foot Regiment of the Honorable B. Furstenbusch, L.S. J.H. Siegel, L.S. his legal signature, I guess. Uh, medical officer, the Honorable Moral Regiment. And Johannes Frederick Baumgarten, medical officer, the Foot Regiment of the Honorable B. First and Bush. You might be tempted to ignore this as merely peasant superstition, but this isn't a second-hand tale, and the three doctors were officers in the army of Charles VI, Emperor of Austria. 
Certainly having fought the Turks from 1714 to 1718, these doctors are very familiar with corpses. Of course, there might be skeptics who say this story comes from so far in the past it carries little, if any, weight in these modern times. So let's look at some more modern examples of possible vampires found in their graves. Now, the mythology regarding vampires is well known throughout the world. Most countries have some variation on the vampire legend. And each of these countries also have remarkably similar ways in which vampires can be dispatched, or at least prevented from rising from the grave to plague the living. Modern science has usually dismissed these tales as folklore. However, recent evidence has emerged showing our ancestors did indeed take these stories very seriously. And over the past few decades, an increasing number of medieval burials have been excavated showing incredible brutality performed on the corpses that exactly matches the methods folklore said must be used to keep a vampire safely in his grave. And these graves aren't only being found in the vampire's traditional home of Eastern Europe and the Balkans, but in Western Europe as well. Now this first one is Prostehov, Slovakia. 1991, an archaeological investigation of the ancient church at the Holy Trinity in Prostahov uh, discovered a long-hidden crypt burial site secreted in the presbytery. Body had been buried in a coffin reinforced with iron bars. Held to be one method of keeping a vampire buried since vampires allegedly couldn't tolerate the touch of iron. In addition, stones had been placed on the victim's legs and the torso severed from the, the legs. The date on this particular grave was the 16th century. Now, the burial is considered somewhat unusual because of its location inside a church, but it's been argued that the extra sanctity of the church might have been thought by those who buried the corpse to have been more likely to have kept the corpse in its grave. Now, in 2009, at Krasnodar in Poland, an archaeological investigation of a medieval cemetery turned up something quite unexpected. Three graves were discovered in which the bodies had been subjected to very unusual treatment post-mortem. Bodies of middle-aged adults had iron sickles placed on their throats. The body of a younger adult had been tied up and had a heavy stone placed on his throat. This is in keeping with folklore. Traditionally, sharp iron implements were being held to be uh, anathema to vampires. Hence, the placement of the sickles as a measure to ensure the alleged vampire couldn't rise from his grave. Though the method of keeping a suspected vampire in the grave was believed to be the placement of heavy weights on the body, and the positioning of heavy stones on bodies has been found in a number of vampire burials. The cemetery hadn't been fully excavated as of yet, and archaeologists expect to find similar burials in future years. But the interesting thing is, if it was all just empty superstition. It wouldn't have continued for hundreds of years. In 1994, on the Greek island of Lesbos, near the city of Madeleine, archaeologists investigating an old Turkish cemetery found a medieval skeleton buried in a crypt hollowed out of an ancient city wall. Now, this wasn't an unusual discovery, per se. However, the post-mortem treatment of the body was very much unexpected. The corpse had been literally nailed down in its grave with heavy iron spikes driven through the neck, the pelvis, and the ankle. The use of iron and the practice of staking corpse or down a corpse are both well attested to in vampire folklore. 
Now, the body was almost certainly that of a Muslim, believed to be the first time a corpse of a person other than a Christian had been found uh, treated in this fashion, which does raise the issue about religious differences. In the early 1990s, archaeologists found what's believed to be the first vampire's graveyard, an entire cemetery of vampire burials. Chelikovich, about 30 kilometers north of Prague, 14 graves been excavated so far with metal spikes driven through the bodies or heavy stones placed on them. Graves are believed to date from the 11th or 12th century. And most of the victims were young adults of both sexes. It appears the victims all died at around the same time, possibly in an epidemic. But it's unclear why the villagers thought these individuals were at risk of becoming vampires. But certainly they did, or they wouldn't have taken these measures. Then in Sozopol in Bulgaria, we find one of the most well-publicized cases of recent years. Is a, if you do a Google search, you'll discover I'm correct. Bulgaria is no stranger to vampire burials. More than 100 have been discovered in the past century, but the bulk of these were in remote rural areas. Sozopol is one of Bulgaria's most popular Black Sea tourist resorts, so the discovery of two skeletons with iron spikes jammed through their bodies did cause something of a sensation. Bodies are believed to be about 700 years old, located buried near a former monastery. Archaeologists have confirmed that this practice was common in Bulgaria up until the 20th century, and Bulgaria subsequently has become the center of interest for those studying vampire burials. It's only been noted the discovery of vampire burials has been the most common in the Balkans and Eastern Europe, the heartland of, so to speak, of vampire mythology. But until recently, they were unknown in Western Europe. But that's now changing as archaeological examination of medieval cemeteries in the West is starting to reveal that people here were just as afraid of the dead returning to plague the living as in Eastern Europe. Well, publicized discovery in 2006 on the island of Lazaretto Nuevo near Venice confirmed that Italy had its own vampire burials. The skeleton of a woman dating from the 16th century was discovered in a cemetery of plague victims with a large brick jammed into her mouth prior to burial. And this is also in keeping with medieval folklore, which well, that vampires elderly chewed their way out of their burial shrouds, so preventing them from doing this was seen as an effective way of stopping them from rising from the, the grave. Then we have... Kiltasheen in Ireland. Vampire burial phenomena struck even deeper into the West with the discovery of two skeletons at Kiltasheen in Ireland between 2005 and 2009. Officially described as deviant burials, the skeletons of a middle-aged man and a man in his 20s were discovered lying side by side with rocks jammed in their mouth. The discovery caused quite a sensation in Ireland and the UK in uh, became the subject of a TV documentary released in 2011. It's been argued that the victims may have been considered plague carriers rather than true vampires because their early burial in the 8th century predates vampire legends in, uh, in Europe. However, the vampire burial tag has since been well and truly st stuck in the public consciousness. And... Now, if complacent Britons had thought their ancestors are far too sophisticated to be taken in by vampire legends as primitive peasants in Eastern Europe had been, they were in for something of a shock. It's revealed in 2010 that a deviant burial had been found in a north, north Nottinghamshire town of 
Southwell in 1959, attracting much publicity in the British media. Long-lost archaeological report compiled during construction of a new school detailed the discovery of a skeleton dating from between 550 and 700 A.D. with metal spikes jammed through heart, shoulders, and ankles. Placement of a spike through the heart in particular attracted public interest because of its long association with vampires and myth and legend. Archaeologists have, in fact, thrown cold water over the idea the man was considered a vampire because this particular burial predates the vampire legends in Europe, but the idea has seized the public imagination and inspired new research into vampirism in Britain. Now, keep in mind, most archaeology is actually supposition. After all, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably not a squirrel. Now, it should be kept in mind that Europe is not the only place where stories of vampires are told. In fact, it would be hard to find a location on the planet where there are not stories of blood-seeking monsters. One example is Africa. To the African people, vampires exist because they're a class of people who are able to defy death and exert a malignant influence from the the grave on the living. African vampires are often people who died in defiance of the community or from suicide. Now, there are many different types of vampires within African folklore to include the Obeifo, Kikoloshi, Adzi, Asenbosam, Sasebonsam, Impadula, and Ramanga. Various regions of Africa have folkloric tales of beings with vampiric abilities. In West Africa, the Ashanti people tell of the iron tooth and tree-dwelling Isanbosam. And the Yu people of the Adzi, which can take the form of a firefly and actually hunts children. Now, the Adzi is a vampiric creature found in the legends of the Yu people of southern Togo. The Adzi, spelled A-D-Z-E, commonly took the form of a firefly. If caught, the firefly would turn into a quasi-human form with a hunchback, sharp talons, and jet-black skin. Once in the quasi-human form, the African vampire would kill its victim, drink their blood, and eat the heart and liver. And, according to legend, found children a favorite to feed on. In some cases, they may feed on palm oil and coconut water and will often raid a village's, a village's supply. Now, these food items are not enough to supply life to the firefly vampire. They will become weak if they don't feed on children. But if the algae is deterred from feeding from uh, from long periods of time, it may go on a feeding frenzy for blood. In these cases, the victim will become infected with a deadly disease, and the insect vampire land on the lips and suck blood through an elephant-like trunk, which is no wonder why diseases of the area are so often blamed on insects. Well, the creature doesn't have to kill, and in some cases only takes enough blood to survive without taking the liver and the heart. Enough strength the Adzi can possess a human and become a living vampire, but if it's captured, it'll revert to, to its human form. The sorcerer is the Adzi's favorite to possess as it obtains the sorcerer's magic. Once captured, the magic is lost and will revert back to human form. The Adzi can only be defeated if it's caught, but catching him is the trick. No way to be protected from the vampire spirit. You people believe that the best and safest manner of catching and destroying the Adzi vampires is to trap them with coconut water and palm oil. If the Adzi spirit's captured, the spirit's generally tortured to a slow and painful death. Eastern Cape region has a dim 
pendula, which can take the form of a large talon bird and can summon thunder and lightning. Now, the Impendula vampire is a witch's servant from the East Cape region of Africa. It's found in legends of the, the Pondo, the Zulu, and the Zosa. Vampires usually owned by a female and is later passed to the witch's daughter. The witch that controlled the Impendula vampire made sure the creature is always fed well in order to avoid the creature turning on her. Now, if Impendula wasn't handed down, it's considered an ownerless monster that will cause chaos throughout the community. African vampire has an insatiable appetite and love for blood and sex. They feed on humans and cattle. And it wasn't uncommon for the Impendula vampire to kill an entire family or herd of cattle, sucking the blood from every single victim. The Impendula would feed on the blood and the pain of its victim. If the African vampire didn't kill them, a wasting disease caused by the vampire would, as the feeding would leave you with a bad cough and infertility. Different. Um, between the Impendula vampire and the other African vampires is the Impendula took the shape of an attractive man instead of an animal creature. Some legends say the witch and the Impendula became lovers, and some legends the Impendula was seen as a bird creature. That silly old people of Madagascar tell of the Ramanga, an outlaw or living vampire who uh, drinks the blood and eats the nail clippings of nobles. And... Not just Africa has legends. It's interesting to note that there are even blood-sucking monsters to be found in the New World. Of course, as is true of most things, the American bloodsuckers are somewhat different from those in the Old World. The Luguru is an example of how a vampire belief can result from a combination of beliefs. Here, a mixture of French and West and uh, African voodoo. The term Luguru possibly comes from the French loup guru, meaning werewolf, and common in the culture of Meridius. However, the stories of the Luguru are widespread throughout the Caribbean islands and Louisiana and the U.S. Similar female monsters are the Sukoyant of Trinidad, who lives by day as an old woman at the end of a village. By night, she strips off a wrinkled skin, which she puts in a mortar, following which she flies in the shape of a fireball through the darkness, looking for victims. And while still a fireball, the Sukoyan enters the home of her victim through cracks and crevices like keyholes. Sukoyan sucks people's blood from their arms, legs, and saw parts while they sleep. If the Sukoyan draws too much blood, it's believed the victim will either die or become a Sukoyan or perish entirely, leaving her killer to assume her skin. The Sukoyan practices witchcraft, voodoo, and black magic. Trades their victim's blood for evil powers with Brazil, the, excuse me, Basil, the demon who resides in the silk cotton tree. To expose the Sukoyant, one would heap rice around the house or at the village crossroads as the creature be obligated to gather every grain, grain by grain, so that uh, she would be caught in the act. To destroy her, coarse salt has to be placed in the mortar containing her skin, so she perishes, and they would have put the skin back on. Belief in the Sukoyants is still preserved to an extent in some Caribbean islands, including Dominica, St. Lucia, Haiti, and Trinidad. And the skin of the Sukoyan is considered valuable and is used when practicing black magic. In Colombia, there's the Tunda and the Patasola, while the Mapuche of southern Chile have the blood-sucking snake known as the Puchin. Aloe vera hung backward behind or near a door was thought to ward off vampiric beings and 
South American superstition. Aztec mythology described tales of the Chihuahua skeletal face spirits for those who died in childbirth who stole children entered into sexual liaison with the living, eventually driving them mad. During the late um, 18th and 19th centuries, the belief in vampires was widespread in parts of New England, particularly Rhode Island and eastern Connecticut. There are many documented cases of families disinterring loved ones and moving their hearts in the belief that the deceased was a vampire responsible for sickness and death in the family. Although the term vampire was never actually used to describe these deceased, that the disease tuberculosis or consumption, as it was known at the time, was believed to be caused by nightly visitations on uh, the part of a dead family member who had died of consumption themselves. Most famous and most recently recorded uh, case of suspected vampirism is that of 19-year-old Mercy Brown, who died in Exeter, Rhode Island in 1892. Her father, assisted by the family physician, removed her from her tomb two months after her death, cut out her heart, and burned it to ashes. No reports on if the depredation stopped after that. Then rooted in older folklore, the modern belief in vampires spread throughout Asia with tales of ghoulish entities from the mainland to stories of vampiric beings from the islands of Southeast Asia. South Asia also developed other vampiric legends. The Buddha, or Pret, is the soul of a man who died an untimely death. He wanders around, animating dead bodies at night, sucking the living of much like a ghoul. In northern India, there's the Bamarak Sasha, a vampire-like creature with a head encircled by intestines and a skull from which it drank blood. The figure of the Vitaba, who appears in the South Asian legend and other stories, may sometimes be rendered as vampire. Although vampires have appeared in Japanese cinema since the late 1950s, the folklore behind it is of Western origin. However, the Nakakubi is a being whose head and neck detach its bodies to fly about seeking human prey at night. It's also the Kitsuna, or spectral vampires that need life force to survive and use magic to obtain it. These creatures acquire its life force from making love with humans. So if in the middle of the night, somebody appears in your bed. Think twice. On that note, we come to the end of tonight's show. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll talk more about vampires, werewolves, and things that go bump in the night. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show, saying have a truly great evening.